I want to I want to continue. Uh, the title is "We Are the Body of Christ," Part Two, and uh, I want you to listen closely. I know not everybody was watching probably on on Wednesday uh, because I know people work and different things. So um, I want to give a brief overview. It was it was too important to not share a little bit uh, as a brief overview. Uh, for those of you that didn't hear Wednesday or you haven't watched the live stream, if you want to watch it, you know, you'll get a bit more detail. But let me give a brief overview and then I'm going to give you some, some new scriptures this morning as well along this line. And I think that um, especially when we're, dealing with, um, when we're dealing with the devil and when we're dealing with sickness and when we're dealing with poverty and when we're dealing with any kind of darkness that seems to array itself against us, uh, a lot of reasons why Christians uh, fail, uh, although they may say the right confession, but they don't really, things don't really change for them in, in, a, in, a, in a tangible way. A lot of it is because they don't really understand who they are. Now, this is what you heard and you hear continually preachers talk about knowing who you are in Christ. Okay, knowing who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, and what you can do through Christ. This is the revelation of the New Testament. This is mainly the Pauline revelation who wrote two-thirds, Paul, of the New Testament, he wrote. And, and this revelation, this is really what Paul was, was writing to the churches. You see, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is, is a story of Jesus' ministry, but Jesus ministered in the Old Covenant. It's in the New Testament, but his ministry was in the Old Covenant. The New Covenant didn't come into effect till Easter, Easter Sunday morning when he rose, put his blood on the mercy seat, and then came back. Back. He came back. The three ladies met him. He let them touch him because the, he couldn't let Mary earlier because he hadn't gone to heaven and ratified the covenant. But when he came back, the three ladies, he said, all hail. The three ladies came, hugged him, kissed him, loved him, and, and he, he responded to them. Then he goes, walks through the wall, praise God, sees the disciples, breathes on them, says, receive ye the Holy Ghost, and they get born again. That's, when the new, that's where the church age started, right there. They, this is in the New Testament, but all of the previous chapters in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John until, that, until Resurrection Sunday morning was technically under the Old Testament. So if you look at the New Testament as a whole, uh, you really, what the doctrine that we need to follow, yes, Jesus is our example, and we consume Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and rightfully so, but that is why we have the epistles. That is why Paul wrote letters to churches. That is why Peter and John and others wrote letters to churches. Why? It's because this is the instruction of the New Testament life. This is instruction in faith. This is instruction in the life of the Spirit. This is instruction how to be led by the Spirit. This is how we live is in the epistles. Amen of the apostles, okay? So some, some, somebody said, Taylor, the apostle is, 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 the, is the husband and the epistle is the wife. No, uh, the epistle is not, somebody said that a little, <laughs> I laughed really hard. No, no, it's not the apostle and Miss, Mr. Apostle and Miss Epistle. That, that, that's not how it works, okay? Uh, it's not like that. The, the epistles are letters, they're just called epistles. They're letters written by men, by the Holy Ghost, to churches. We are a church. Ephesus was a local church, not the universal church, although it applies to the universal, but it was written to the church at Ephesus. Yeah. Look it up on the map. Ephesus is in Turkey, current day Turkey. Right. They, then there was another place in Greece called Corinth, the Corinthian church. And then there was another place in Greece called Thessalonica, right. Thessalonian church. Look up a map. It's interesting. Get a Bible with all the maps in the back. It's fascinating to see all his missionary journeys. He's going to all these individual local churches and he's writing letters when he couldn't go. Thank God in some ways he was in prison because if he just went in person all the time, maybe we wouldn't have the record that we have today. So thank God he took the time to write. Thank God the Holy Ghost gave him supernatural revelation and he wrote what the Spirit said and he sent it by messengers, by FedEx. There was FedEx back then. He 
sent FedEx delivery and cash on delivery. So Paul didn't have to pay any charges. The pastor had to pay when the delivery came. And the, fed, and the messenger came. They were runner messages. They didn't have cars, obviously. And the runner came with a letter. And the, he read the letter. And then the pastor says, my God, this is what my church needs. And he'd read the letter to the church. He'd read the whole letter to the Ephesian church. And it wasn't in chapters and verses like today. It was just one long letter. And he'd read it to the church. And then he'd, and then he'd probably break down and do different, because there's a lot of revelation. You, can't, you might have probably read it the first day, but then it probably years he would take to, and then with the Corinthians, they were so messed up, he had to send a second letter. Because they were so messed up, they were doing so many things wrong, he had to correct a whole bunch of more stuff. This is, this is the point that we live our life because of the instruction in the epistles. We model our life after Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but the instruction of the epistles is for New Testament doctrine. Do you understand? When you study the epistles, you will understand who you are in Christ. Jesus did not fully teach because it wasn't appropriate at the time that he ministered who you are in Christ. He would talk about, he would give certain things like Matthew 16 when he said, I give you all, I will give you the keys. He's talking about who you are in Christ. So he would talk for foretelling many things of what would come when he died and rose again. But his ministry, he was not telling those disciples at that moment, you go now because you are in me. This is who you are in me because they couldn't be in him because he hadn't died yet. Do you understand? So Christians that only look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are going to live well below what God has provided for them. Yes. Not because we're against Jesus. Obviously, you know that we're not. But because you need the revelation in the epistles for the New Testament spirit-led life. Yeah. And so if you understand what God is saying in these epistles, and it takes a lifetime to study, you will start realizing who you are, who God made you to be in Jesus, because you've got Jesus in you and you're in him, that means his authority and all the things that he's promised, the covenant promises are yours, and you start realizing who you are and how to apply it and how to speak and how to act and how to be led by the Spirit and how to live right and how to live clean and how to renew your mind, and there's all these things, and if you'll start learning it, you'll learn in general, but also with very many specifics who you are, and then when you deal with the devil, you'll believe that what you say, he'll obey you, and he will obey you, and you will be healed. And you don't need me to lay hands on you. Amen. Now, I'll lay hands on you if you need me to lay hands on you, but eventually you shouldn't need me to lay hands on you. If you really understand who you are, if you really understand the authority you have, and if you understand how to release that authority and that power with your words and with corresponding action, uh, you, you, you'll, you still always need the local church because you need the teaching, you need the submission, you need a place to gather, you need a place to serve and a place to tithe and all that stuff, but you shouldn't always need being a baby where the pastor has to baby you and coddle you all the time on certain areas of the covenant promises. Do you understand what I'm saying? You need, there needs to be a growth rate and, and a growing up in Christ. Dad Hagen wrote a book called Growing Up in Christ. So this is all found in the epistles. And so what I want to, I just, we are the body of Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm taking a series now. This is part two because we started on Wednesday. But I'm just sharing, it. maybe not a long series, but I'm just sharing. I felt the Lord say, talk to them and hammer it a little bit. When God uses that vernacular, what he means is you don't normally just hit that nail once because it doesn't go in very deep. You got to hammer that nail a number of times to get it flush with the wood. And he just said, you have. Now, when he says that to me, I know what he means. This is going to be a number, a number of, of, of days. I don't know how long because I'll be led by the Spirit. But he said, hammer that a little bit. In other words, get the nail in. Don't just leave it hanging halfway out. Get the nail in. Get it in. Get, get it solid. Get it flush. Get it flat. 
so that the people can really catch what, what I'm trying to get over to them. And of course, this is a very broad revelation. I can't talk about everything. It would take 10 years to talk about everything of who you are in Christ and longer than that even. It's inexhaustible almost. But I'm just aiming, I'm just focusing on one particular area that he asked me to emphasize. And so I want you, I'm going to give a quick overview. Well, we'll just, why don't I just say we'll be led by the Spirit and I'll just preach as he leads me, okay? So go, look, look quickly at the book of Luke chapter 10, real quick, because we've got a number of verses and I want you to look at them quickly. Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. Praise God. And it says, behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus had just, the 70 had just come, had just told them that the demons had obeyed them. They were all excited. And he had said to them in verse, in verse uh, 17 and 18, he said, uh, he said, well, I saw Satan fall. Mm -hmm. They're telling demon stories. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I'll read it to you. And the 70 returned again with joy saying, Lord, even the dev devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. He's saying, Jesus, I cast that devil out of that person and it came out. And Jesus is not going to, he's going to make sure he tops the story. He's going to say, ah, that's great that the little devil of cancer came out and the little devil of insanity came out. I saw the big one come out. <laughs> I mean, Jesus is just, I see you and I raise you. Yeah. Can you beat that story, Matthew? Can you beat that story, Peter? No, I don't think so. I think Jesus was quite, um, I wish there were emojis in the Bible so that we could see what his mood was when he said it. In fact, I'm writing a Bible right now with emojis as the leading of the Spirit. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But it would be nice if there was a laughing face or if there was a hmm face or what I'd like to know, or the, you know, the, the head explosion face. I'd like to know what he was thinking when he said that because I think he might have been chuckling a little bit when he said that. Uh, we think of him being so serious all the time, but I think Jesus, as a perfect man, had a perfect sense of humor and a perfect balance of seriousness as well. He was in the middle of the road. And then he says, now behold, I give you power. Oh, to tread on serpents and scorpions. Now, yes, if you see a scorpion or a snake, you know, you can jump on it if you want. But he's talking about the <laughs> symbolic parallel here of demons and devils and darkness. And over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding in this rejoice, not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Our religious people take that wrong and they say, well, we shouldn't really have a ministry of casting out devils because Jesus, that's not what he said. He said, your focus and emphasis shouldn't be on devils, even though they are coming out. Your focus and emphasis should be on your relationship with the Father. Father, thank you, I'm saved. Thank you, my name is written. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that I love you. In other words, I'm not thinking and meditating and getting fascinated and, and, and sensationalistic about devils. My focus is on the Father, but when they show up, I'll deal with them. Do you understand? That's what Jesus meant. But he said, I give you exousa, I said this on Wednesday, the authority, delegated authority, like a policeman with a badge, over all the dunamis, the power, the ability of the devil. We've been given the authority of God. I'm trying to, and this, this was given temporarily before he died and rose, so it couldn't have been permanent because this was not a permanent thing. This is in the old covenant technically, that was written in the New Testament. These are 70 that have gone out with temporary granted delegated authority. The permanent had not, could not come until after he rose. So he's given temporary authority. Now, uh, we see here that, um, that the actions of that temporary authority is, is found in the book of Matthew chapter 10. So look there, please. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 7. 
And as you go, you're too slow, so I'm going to keep preaching. And as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Remember, he's just, this is also about the 70. He's given them authority. I give you authority over the devil. They will, he will not hurt you. And then he says, now as you go with this authority, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely receive, freely give. So temporary authority is granted. We see it in Luke 10. And then the actions of that temporary authority is listed in Matthew 10. Amen. Do you see that? Now, permanent authority is also granted. And it's granted after he rose. Why? It had to be temporary because salvation hadn't been ratified until Easter Sunday morning when he put his blood on the mercy seat. Then he comes back and the first group get born again that same day. And then 40 days later, give or take, uh, he, he ascends up in the clouds to heaven. Ten days after that is when the baptism of the Holy Ghost comes. But in the book of Matthew chapter 28, as he's about to ascend into the clouds, he starts to speak to the church. This is the church, the small group of believers that have got born again in the 40 days since he rose from the dead. So there was more than just the disciples there. There was other people as well because remember he told them, tarry, tarry in Acts 1 it says to tell them, tarry until you receive power from on high and 500 were invited to the Holy Ghost service. Unfortunately uh, 100 uh, what, what was it, 375 decided that they needed to go to McDonald's or they had to go and plow with the, the, their field, or they had to go and do their ho children's homework, and they had other things. They were busy, busy, busy. And they missed the Holy Ghost service of the millennium, of the era, of the entire church age. That's a Holy Ghost service you don't want to miss, and they missed it. Maybe they were too cheap to give an offering. I don't know. But Jesus said one out of every four dirt will produce. That means you can only really count on one quarter in terms of on, on average. He said it in Mark 4. He said, this is the most important parable. If you don't understand this, you don't understand anything. And he said, one quarter is going to produce fully. And so one quarter of the 500 that he invited to the Holy Ghost service showed up and got the Holy Ghost and had tongues of fire. And then what was it? 3,000 got saved. How many was it? 3,000? 5,000? How many? I can't remember. Anyway, praise God. A whole bunch of people got saved when Peter preached on that day. But I want you to know that in this time, 40 days after he rose, he's ascending. And he's, he told them, now you, you have to wait a little bit. Don't even go preach. Don't even go do the actions I'm telling you that you have the authority to do until you receive the infilling of the Spirit. So obviously the authority we've been granted works with the baptism of the Holy Ghost because he was very clear in Acts 1, it's in red, to say, don't even go and preach to people and do the great commission that is found in Matthew 28 and Mark 16 until you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So Jesus, the head of the church, felt that the authority mixed with the infilling of the Spirit were combinedly important in order for you to be an effective witness for the gospel and for Jesus. But in here in Matthew 28, he lists out again, this is the authority given, and Mark 16 is the actions given. Do you see the pattern and the parallel? He said the temporary authority was granted in Luke 10, the actions were Matthew 10. The permanent authority was granted in Matthew 28, and the actions of those permanent authorities were described in, in Mark 16, both called the Great Commission. And Matthew 28, and it says in verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. I've got it all. Go ye therefore. How do we, he didn't say I give you authority, but how do we know that he did? Because of the word therefore. Right. 
The word therefore is the connector. If it didn't say therefore, then there would be potentially a hole in this theory. Now you can still prove it through other verses and you can't, Dad Hagen always said, don't make a doctrine with one scripture verse. You've got to be able to interpret scripture with scripture to be balanced. There are other scriptures so the doctrine would still be sound, but thank God there's the word therefore that is listed here. He said, go ye therefore, and therefore is not italicized, so it was in the original. Why do you say, why is therefore such an important word? Because if it didn't say therefore, there's no connector to the previous verse. Then he just say, all authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Right. Full stop. Right. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. There's no connector. There is, if you look at it from one perspective, because they're, they're following the same thought pattern, but thank God for the word, therefore, that's why we know that that authority he's talking about in the previous verse 18 is directly connected to verse 19. He's saying, I've been given authority, therefore you go. Why? Because I'm giving it to you. Therefore, because I've got it, you've got it. So this shows he's granted permanent authority to the believer. All authority is given unto me. That word of power is the word exousa authority. In heaven and on earth, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Amen. Now, it says here, it talks about baptizing and teaching, but this is where authority is given. Now, Mark we interpret scripture with scripture. Mark does a great job in telling again about teaching and preaching, again about baptizing. Both are mentioned in Mark's, in Mark's uh, uh, version as well. But Mark lists out the actions. Remember, Luke doesn't say the actions. It just says, I'm giving you authority. But Matthew lists out the actions. Uh, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, heal the sick, you know, all those things. He, he tells them what to do with that authority. Well, Matthew just says, you've got the authority. Now teach and baptize. Mark says, you've got the authority teach and baptize, but I'm also going to give you a list of some things that you should do with that authority. Thank God God said that Amen. so that we'd know what he expects of us. And he says, go ye into all the world, verse 15, and preach the gospel to every creature. So there's the teaching and the preaching. And he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. There's the baptism. And he that believes not shall be damned. Baptism is a really important thing. And in, and in India and other countries, the thing that, 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 that the main act of salvation, obviously they get saved because they confess, but that's in private, that's in, behind closed doors. Yeah. But what they do is they baptize them in the public river or in the lake or wherever they are because the, the community comes to see the spectacle of people being baptized. And when people are baptized in water, it's a sign to the community that I'm, I, it's, it's an advertising neon sign, I'm born again. And, and, and that's very important that people see a public declaration of salvation. There are no spy saints. Amen. There are no COVID oper covert operative saints. Amen. We're supposed to be out in public. People are supposed to know it. Well, Pastor Craig, nobody at my work knows I'm saved. Well, then I, I wonder if you're saved. Because if you're saved, it should come out. You don't even have to preach to people. You just don't have to cuss. Yeah, I know. Today, all you have to do is not cuss, not tell dirty jokes. At customs, a bunch of devils, heathens, I, I just, I didn't even, I didn't feel like, I didn't, I didn't like most of them. I didn't even know if I wanted them to go to heaven. No, I, I want them all to go to heaven. But I'm certainly not going to take the time to preach to you. I, I just, I, I just, I'm fed up. I don't like the job. I'm praying for ISIS to attack so that the building will blow up so that we can, I can have a month off. No, I didn't pray that. I'm, I'm joking. But you know, Jenny, how much I hated that job. I just, that was the despising of my soul. But because the, <laughs> for the cheap pastors where I traveled to preach every weekend would give me a hundred bucks. True. 
You can't live on $400 a month. Uh, even when I was skinny, you can't live on $400 a month. And if they were generous and they gave me $200, which was like shooting the moon for most pastors, uh, where I would go and preach, I traveled for six years. That's a long time getting, getting $100, $200. Some of them gave me $500. But the point is, not one time in that entire time was there enough money to pay the bills. And, and one of it is, the main reason, the pastors, sure, were cheap. <laughs> we're not. That's why I said, God, if I ever become a pastor, which I know you'll never ask me to be, but if I ever become a pastor, I'll make sure I'm generous with those guest ministers because those scallywags have ripped me off for years. And that's one of the reasons we're so generous is because I know what it's like to have cheap pastors give you cheap offerings. Now, if I had understood faith during those six years, they would have been enough. But nobody taught me faith. I didn't understand faith. I was just in the very early stages of learning faith in those six years. And it wasn't, my faith wasn't at a measure yet where I could, I mean, I learned it in 2000 and, when was it, Jenny? 2002 is when, is when Dr. Dufresne at, at, at Harvest Family Church, uh, that's when the light bulb came on. And I was traveling from 2001 until 2007. Six, uh, really, really 2000 part of 2000 kind of bleeds over in, in, the, in the calendar. But about, about five and three quarter, almost six years that I was traveling. But I didn't understand faith. And I remember saying, but Lord, Dad, Dr. Dufresne would say these things. And so, uh, but my faith measure hadn't grown. I was very, very baby in it. So I, I couldn't use my faith. My measure was not grown. It was not developed at all. Do you understand? So I, I understood the concept of it. And I was trying to use my faith a little that I, that I knew how, but I didn't have a measure of faith to believe for all the money to come in from traveling ministry. And, and if I had of them, that would, have, that would have changed it. I wouldn't have had to work at customs. But when you don't understand faith, sometimes you have to work two jobs. True. Sometimes you have to work three jobs if you, won't, if you don't understand how faith works. If I'd understood it, I wouldn't have had to. But I didn't understand it. So the, the Lord works with your measure. He, he's not silly. He works with your measure. He knows that I can't believe him for our budget per month. And you were working full time. But he knows that the traveling ministry, uh, he's trying to probably get over to the pastors, but they won't listen because they're cheap. And he knows that I, I don't have the faith measure to believe him for outside avenues of income other than the preaching. So he said to me, I'm going to give you a job. I'm going to hand tailor the job for you. I said, well, Lord, what is it? Is it, is it, is it maybe, um, you know, I, I, I'm trying to think of something I would have liked to have done anyway. I won't, I won't go down that road because then I'll get into another, another story. I said, well, Lord, what job do you want? And he said, I'm going to give you a job. And, and then I was, at a, I was at a, where was I? I was at a passport office. And, and I thought, man, this, this, this looks more or less boring and, 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 and you know, easy. easy. All they do is stamp. Maybe I'll apply here. <laughs> I don't want too much brain power being used because I have to concentrate to preach. And so uh, they said, go on this website. And I went on the website and there was something on the internet that took me to a, the government website, but I saw customs, even though it wasn't customs, but it was, there was a link to customs. And, uh, and so I clicked on that. And anyway, long story short, I did all the tests. And, uh, and, and then I got to the one test, Taylor. It's an eight-hour exam you have to take. And so I was on the seventh of the eight exams for the last, and it was hard questions all about math and like, like, like stuff that I'm not good at. And I didn't know the answers to them. And so I tried to figure out some of them. And then, and then the lady said, five minutes. <laughs> and I, I, there was like 25 questions and I was on question three. But I was sure that those three were right. And then I realized, well, it don't really matter if they're right or not, I'm going to fail. Now, if you don't get 70% or over on any one of the exams, you don't get the job, period. Right, right. And so I heard the Holy Ghost say, uh, just circle, it's a multiple choice. Yeah. 
Now don't claim this. You can't claim this because I've never claimed this, but it happened because he needed me to get that job. He had that job for me, but he knew I was a bit stupid. <laughs> I was on three of 25 and I heard the Holy Ghost say, circle the ones I tell you to. Now don't claim that. Cole and Quinn, thus saith the Lord, don't claim that. You got to study when you can. But there was a lot riding on that moment. That five minutes was going to affect the, rest, the next six years of our life. And I heard, I swear to heard D, A. And I thought, Lord, this is marvelous. <laughs> now, they don't give you your marks, so I don't know, but I've passed. <laughs> I passed. Now, you say, well, you were just guessing. Well, maybe, I, maybe it was. I don't know, but I, I, just, I just, as I felt the Lord prompt me, and, and, and then the, the man came in, and he had an interview the week later, and he says, well, you passed by 1%. Did he say that? Yeah, by, and he, he said, most people pass by at least 10 <laughs> so I said, I got 71, and I said, praise God, <laughs> I don't need 80, I'll take 71 as long as I passed. And then he says, now we normally send people that do very well to the airport because they have to deal with the public, but people that don't do too well on the exam, and he didn't say it, but they're ashamed of us, right? So he says, we'll send you to the mail facility where nobody can see you. <laughs> So I said, I'll take any job. Just give me a job. I need a job because the cheap pastors, I need a job. So they gave me the job. But isn't God hand tailored all of that because the airport didn't have the shifts that the mail facility allowed. And so I, I came to the mail facility that's there at Dixie and Eglinton, that big, massive mail facility plant. There's a customs area in there. And I, and I went there and they were the only one that offered the shift that I needed. And they gave me that shift. So I could work three days, which were full-time hours, 40 hours into three days. And then the other days I was off. I needed two days just to recover because I was so tired. And then I travel and preach every weekend. I worked Monday, I worked Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I, then I had Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday to go and travel. Isn't God, he just hand tailored it. You see, but he knew I didn't understand faith. I didn't understand my authority. So he wasn't going to lead me into starvation. He led me to get a natural job, even though I didn't like the job. And I prayed for the building to to something happened to that so I could maybe have a month while they rebuilt it or something. But, you know, I didn't like it, but I still knew I was in the perfect will of God for that job. And even though my faith wasn't where it needed to be so that I didn't have to work secular, you'd sometimes just got to humble yourself and do what you need to do. Dr. Dufresne would say all the time, faith does whatever it takes. Faith does whatever it takes. If that means that your measure's not where it needs to be, go get a job or go get a second job. Now, don't hurt the local church and hurt your family and do all that, but do what it needs. Do. Some people are just plain plumb lazy and they just want a handout from the government and they don't want to work. And I know some people, I'm looking. Yeah, you over there, I see you, you're lazy. And you back there, I know where the people's pictures are, so I know who's lazy. I just want, nobody knows who I'm pointing at, but I know who's lazy. I know the people in the congregation that don't want to work. They could work. They're able to work. They don't want to work. That's Praise God. Taylor, don't go over there and take a picture of who I pointed at. Just leave that alone. And other people, other people, it's not that they don't want to work. It's just that they're afraid to work. They're willing to, but there's a fear that holds yeah. them back. And there's lots of reasons. It's not always just laziness. But my point is, is that you just do what it takes so that you're not a burden on everybody and a burden on society. I had to do. But as I was at that job, that's where I started. As I was at that job, not enjoying myself, I didn't enjoy the work, but I was doing it because that's what I needed to do to take care of my family. I could have just been a burden, but I wasn't going to do that. I was going to do what I needed to do. Faith does what it takes. But I just, the people, they're all 
ungodly people. I'm serious. There was not one Christian in the entire place. I worked with 80 officers. Not one of them was saved. I was the only one. And of course, and over time, I didn't witness to anybody. I, I just didn't, I wasn't in the mood. I didn't want to be there to begin with. I, start, I just didn't feel like it. I did over time, but at the beginning, I didn't say a word to anybody. And people would just come up to me and say, there's something different about you. What is it? One guy, the worst guy, the most notorious guy, his name was John. I won't tell you his last name, but his name was John. I mean, he was just the most notorious. All the managers hated him. He hated all of them. He would try to cause insurrections and riots. He would try to t walk around, tell people, don't work today. Just, 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 and then beepity beep, beep, the manager. And I mean, he, he was just a rotten to the core. And he took a liking to me. <laughs> He would come and say, there's something, the most devilish person there. Maybe his heart was looking for God. Maybe that's why he was acting the way he was. But he would come and say, there's something different about you. What is it? I'd say, what, what do you mean? What is it? He said, I've never heard you say a bad word once. He said, I've watched the way they treat you because the managers would be very mean and mean-spirited. And he said, I've never heard you cuss them out. He said, I, sometimes I want to come and cuss them out for you just because I feel so bad for you. And he would, he'd just rail on them like he don't care. And because of the union, they can't fire you. I mean, it's just an, it says a broken system. It's a broken system. And so, and I say, well, I, I'm a Christian. What does that mean? Well, Jesus is in my heart. And then once he, he came by and he was standing behind me and I didn't realize it and I had my earphones on and I was doing my work and I was praying in the Holy Ghost and he took my earphones off. He pulled them off and he says, what are you doing? What, what was that language you were speaking? And I says, oh, you don't want to know about that, John. You can't, you can't even handle Jesus. You certainly can't handle the Holy Ghost. I said, you don't want to know about that. I want to know about that. Then he went and called the most notorious girl that, every, that all the managers hated. Come over here. He's talking some strange language. What is that? And they made me pray in tongues in front of them. And, they, and I said, now, how do you feel when I say that? There's something otherworldly about that. What is that? And I would tell them what the Bible said. They said, are you kidding me? I mean, these are hardened sinners bragging about their affairs. They all sleep on their wives and all that stuff. I mean, they would brag with pride about how many people they're having sex with this week and that week. And the, I mean, it's just hardened sinners. I mean, hardened, just rebellious to the core. And yet for something, there was something that drew them. I understand why Jesus, the, the Pharisees, not the Pharisees, the publicans and the tax collectors and, and, and the prostitutes and the sinners, why they were drawn to him. Because the darker they are, when the light is around, something, something draws the moth to the light. I'm telling you. I can understand why they would, the darker ones would come to him because there was something clean about him. And darker, dirty people want cleanliness in some of them. If they have a pure heart, they want it. If they don't have a pure heart, they don't want it. But if they're dirty, they know that they're dirty. They want and they see somebody clean. They want, they want something. What is it about you? And I got to preach to them, and then I started, then they called me Padre because they heard that I was planning to go to Peru, and, and, and I was learning Spanish, and I'd try to talk to them in Spanish, and como esta, Señor John, and, and he'd laugh, and he'd say, hey, Padre, then everybody, all the managers, even, even the main guy would call me Padre Field. Padre's coming. Padre's here. Padre, would you please do this? Because Father, because they, all they think is Catholic. And so when they hear I'm going to be a preacher, they think I'm going to be a priest. And so they called priests father. So they would call me, they weren't saying spiritual father, Taylor. They were saying padre like a Catholic father. And so, that, that, but I'm just saying, I, I don't know why I feel prompted to tell you that. Maybe some of you are having a hard time at your job. Maybe some of you are frustrated and that you don't enjoy yourself. Maybe some of you feel guilty like, well, I should be preaching every three minutes. You know, just the Bible says they can read your life. They can read your lifestyle. But Paul said, I am an I, me, Paul, and am an epistle read of all men. I don't even have to say anything. Just my word, just my actions alone will preach the gospel to people. And some of you just by, just by living clean and right before God. 
People will notice it and ask you, and then you've got the chance to tell them about Jesus. And I did. I started getting more bold and more compassionate as the years passed, and I started talking to people, and I started telling people about Jesus, and then people started to come to me. One girl was doing some witchcraft in her house and watching some horror movie, and a demon showed up at 2.03. And she heard a voice saying, I'm coming to visit you at 2.03 a.m. And a demon walked into her room at 2.03 a.m., and she, had, she almost lost her mind. And she came. She's an Indian girl and she came and says, I don't know, I don't know what I did. Would you please, I heard you telling John that you cast out demons. I don't know. I mean, it was the craziest thing. People that had marriage problems would come. Can I have an appointment with you? I'd say, well, I'm doing my work right now. Oh, who cares? I'll tell the managers to beep, 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 beep. I need a counseling appointment with you. And I'd say, well, sit there while I do my work. And they'd talk to me about their marriage and I'd give them marriage counseling while I'm doing my work. It's amazing when you, you, you can, people can read you without even hearing you at first. They, they should tell a difference. Something about you should be different because you are a light in darkness and a salt in rottenness. And it's not what I planned on saying this morning, but I feel somebody out there, you're struggling with your job. You're not enjoying it. I know how you feel. Some preachers just come from Bible school to ministry and they've never worked secular and they don't know the pain. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. And I feel for you. I have compassion for you. And I'm telling you, if you build your faith, God, it may take some time, but he will move you into the job that you enjoy. He will either promote you or prompt you to get more education or whatever. And he'll supernaturally open the door and give you something that when you wake up in the morning, you go, I can't wait to go to work. Amen. That's how life should be. Not you're dragging your feet and you hate it every day. But even if you're loving it or if you're hating it, you can be an epistle read of all men. You can just act right and, 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 and not speak wrong. Even if you don't preach to them, they'll be able to tell there's a difference about you. And they'll come and ask you. And then now you have the perfect opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Whether they get saved, John, rotten John didn't get saved, but he heard the gospel. He heard enough that he'll stand before God and have to give an account. And maybe one day he will get saved. I don't know. The other girl, she was trying to get me to sleep with her. She'd keep asking me all the time, why don't you come? Your wife doesn't have to know. My husband sure doesn't know all the things I do. And I'd look at her and I'd say, darling, I say, your, your, your daddy is the devil. And my daddy is Jesus. I can't do those kind of things. It doesn't matter that nobody would know. I would know. My Jesus would know. You know, it's amazing. People, they, 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 they live such dirty lives, filthy lives. Not everybody's like that, but some are. And, and yet they should be able to see, I don't live dirty. I don't live filthy. I'm not perfect and I have bad days. And I'm not always, I'm not always a saint, so to speak, you know, like a perfect person. But, but I love Jesus and I'm trying my best to live an authentic, non-hypocritical life. And people should be able to tell. So whoever you are that's listening, that you need some encouragement about your workplace, whether it's about getting into something that you enjoy more or whether it's about your witness there, let those words be a great source of strength and encouragement to you. Your pastor understands and God is with us and he will take care of you. I said all that to say, I didn't know who I really was in Christ in terms of faith and finances. That's why I had to do that. But when I started to learn, then God started to lead me out and I was able to use my faith. And now I can't wait to wake up in the morning. It's a lot of work being a pastor, but I love it. I wouldn't, get, I wouldn't, do, it for, I wouldn't do anything else in the world. This is, this is my dream job. I never thought it would be, to be honest with you. But this is my dream job. I'm living the dream. I'm living the dream. I've got a dream wife. 
I've got dream and nightmare, ch I mean dream children, <laughs> praise God, dream children. No, they are, they are truly dream children. I love my kids so much. Praise God. We were watching t uh, Cole yesterday when he was uh, five, six years ago, when he was 10 years old, no, nine, year, nine or 10 years old, standing on our stage singing a solo. Yeah. And Luke said to me, Daddy, will Cole ever sing again? He's very dramatic, Luke. Will Cole ever sing again? And I said, let's call him up and ask. And then I said, Cole, if you don't say yes, he's going to cry. And I, and I secretly said to him, Luke, put some tears, get some tears going. So he, you know, he's very, will you ever sing again, Cole? And I said, and he said, no. And I said, Cole, please, this is your brother. Do what you need to do. And I said, come on. And then he said, okay, fine. I will sing again. I will sing again. And I said, I've got you now, buddy. I said, I gave Luke a high five. Got you now. Now, Cole, next Sunday, you better get ready because Cole will be singing again. Praise God. Quit, praise the Lord. Quinny, don't think I've forgotten about you. You'll be singing with him a duet. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> the point is I'm living a blessed life. I've got, I, 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 I'm living the dream. I've got dream children. I've got a dream wife. And don't take my living the dream as, well, can you believe it? I'm going through hell on earth. And here he is saying how good his life is. You should be, you should be, that's the wrong attitude. You should, you know, I announced, I didn't think this would happen, Taylor, but I announced just about how God blessed me with the new vehicle. And I wasn't the first one in Ontario. I'm the first one in Canada to get it. The guy emailed me yesterday. He said, you're one of the first ones in Canada to get the vehicle. The Field family. Glory to God. And I thought people would be happy. I mean, we're not paying that much. I mean, it's, it's the same price as our van. I mean, I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to be a highfalutin, high roller. That's not what I'm trying to do. You know, somebody got offended with me for saying that. Got all mad that I said that. Well, why should he talk about all his good things when I'm struggling? Why don't you shut up? Why don't you get a pure heart? Because I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to teach you how the blessing of God works. And you're just stumbling because of your small-mindedness and your hardened heart. That's why the seed of the Word doesn't go into you. Because your heart's so hard. And the seed lies on top and the birds come pick it away. And you haven't even gotten to the second soil where it springs up momentarily. It doesn't even get in because you're hardened. And you keep blaming God for this COVID thing. And it's got nothing to do with God. And then you're blaming your pastor because I'm blessed. Well, if you don't like it, don't stop watching our church because I'm not changing my messages. I'm not changing telling people how God has helped me and how he's blessed me because I came from nothing. I had less than nothing. I had a stepfather who was a janitor and a mother who worked as a secretary in a Christian school. A Christian school. A regular school pays you. A Christian school is cheap. Whatever it was, 15000 a year. It's nothing. We had no food at Thanksgiving. We had to go to Evangel Temple and ask, to, ask Pastor Bud Williams to give us a turkey. Amen. Wow. Amen. And then I go to my dad's house, and he's, he, he has dinner with the president of RBC and TD, and he goes to his club. And we sit there and the meal is thousands of dollars, and I sit with kings, and I go home to the janitor and no turkey. I've seen abundance and I've seen ultra lack. Yeah. Yes. But my mother through it was faithful to God. She never stopped honoring God. She never stopped tithing. She never stopped believing. She never stopped being faithful to the local church. That's right. And she taught me no matter how hard it gets, you don't quit, son. You don't quit on God. My sister quit on God. Others quit on God. I never quit and I never will. So don't you dare look at me, you hypocrite. Don't you dare look at me and say, how dare you talk about the blessing of God. You don't know where I came from and you don't know that I've had nothing in my life.
And you don't know that my father asked me, he offered me half a million dollar salary to start. And he said, go to Harvard, I'll pay all the expenses. I had the world at my feet and I said no for the call of God. So don't you look at me and say, you shouldn't talk about the blessing. I'll talk about the blessing until I'm blue in the face. And then I'll keep talking about it till I'm purple because I've had nothing in my life. And God has risen me to blessing because faith takes it. Faith works. When there's no hope, faith will do it for you. So stop having a hard heart and getting upset when you hear Pastor Nancy or others talk about the goodness and start saying, if God can do it for them, then God can do it for me. Because Acts 10, 34 says he'll do it for everybody. It's only an impure heart, Jenny, that gets upset with this. That now tries to compete and tries to judge. You should be poor. You should be humble. Poverty and humility don't go hand in hand. Humility means to bear much fruit. Means your branches are heavy laden. That Iranian poet that I knew years ago, not as Christian, He said to me, I'm writing a poem about a tree that bends its branches down like it is bowing before before Allah, he said, but we don't believe in Allah, before Allah. And he said, I said, why? Why would a tree bow with its, he said, because it's bearing such fruit for the creator and it is humbled and honoring the creator. And I heard the Holy Ghost remind me of the book of John where it says, I'm here and is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. That means salvation. That also means prosperity. That means healing. That means everything. Fruit in every area. He is glorified when as a tree. See, I'm not snooty and proud. I want more blessing, more souls, more healing, more fruit of all kinds. I want them so thick and heavy in my life that my branches are burdened under the weight of that fruit. And I kneel and bow myself before God. The the more you have, the more low you should become. The more you're blessed, the more humble you should be. The more trying to help others you should be. And like a tree that bows with the weight of the fruit, I want to bow before God in an act of humility and say, Father, I don't think I'm better. I don't think I'm all that because you've blessed me. If anything, I'm so humbled by it. I humble myself by bearing much fruit for you. And I'm not going to change my preaching because some hard-hearted person says, I don't like it when you say how good God's blessing you. God is blessing me and he's blessing this congregation and for those that want it they'll have it and for those that have a hard heart they won't that's not me being emotional Jennifer I felt the anointing of God come on me and say you deal with that because that offends the Holy Ghost when people talk that way the devil's lying to you and trying to get you to compete and and be jealous and be feel like you're being less there is a wrong part to, to being flamboyant and, 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 and putting on a show and trying to be better than others. That's never been me, ever, and it will never be because that's not my heart. But I'm not going to stand here and tell you that I'm barely making it because I'm not. The Lord is helping me. He's helping the staff. He's helping all of us. He's helping all of you. If you'll just open your heart to let him help you. Amen. Praise God. Why do you think he gave me? I didn't need it from that perspective, but why do you think he gave me the business? Because he said, I want you to have more. He said, I want you to, I said, but Lord, I have enough. 
He said enough is not enough. No. Did you hear that? Never enough. enough is not enough. God doesn't just give you a mansion that's enough. You say, but that's in heaven. Yeah, but Jesus said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if there's an abundance there, he expects there to be an abundance here. And he wore Louis Vuitton. Louis hadn't been born yet, but his garment was so expensive that the soldiers wouldn't even rip it. They wanted to do a bedding for it. They wanted to go sell it. Praise God. People, people don't know these things, Jenny. They just see, there was so much money in their purse that nobody even noticed that Judas was stealing it. Yeah. You've got three dollars in there, you can tell if somebody's taken one. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, see the difference, Taylor, is that you got well, some people that are offended with me because I say God blessed me. Didn't even pay much money for it, fifty dollars a month. It wouldn't matter if I paid a thousand dollars a month. You shouldn't be offended with me because God's blessed me. But I say the price so that people don't stumble unnecessarily. But then I have another person who emails me. Pastor, I can't, with all the emojis, I love emojis. All the emojis. Pastor, I can't tell you how excited I am about your new Tesla. In fact, I got so excited, I started shouting. And, got, and I said, he said, the person said, I just want to sow seed into that car for you. I just want to be a part of your miracle. I want to be a part of your blessing. Now, you see the difference? One person's offended that God's blessing me and the other person wants to get involved and wants to rejoice. Whether they sow or not is not the issue, but it showed their heart. See, I, where your heart is, your treasure is. So usually the ones that complain, they're not tithers anyway because their heart's wrong. But the ones that have a right heart, there's an automatic give to them. There's a give to them. Let me sow more. Let me help more. Let me celebrate. I celebrate your victory because I know I'm going to get my victory. Do you understand? Celebrating somebody else's victory is seed for your own victory. That's the difference in a heart. That's all about heart, Jenny. One has the right heart, one doesn't have. See, this one quarter has the right heart. I'm not mad. The person, if they're even listening, they're probably not. But if they ever do hear that the people, more than one, that are guilty of being offended with me, well, they might leave the church. And, and if that's the decision they make, then that's the decision they make. I don't want people in the church that are going to be, that won't grow. You can come in here small-minded, but let the word grow your mind. You can come in here poor. We'll love you. We'll help you. But let the word grow you. You can come in here offended, but over a year or two, let the word change you. You can come in here with a cusser, but over some time, that'll change. You can come in here in track suits and, and Bermuda shorts if you want, but over time, Amen. you'll start to honor God more. Let the Word change you. I don't need people to be perfect. What I need them to do is have the right heart to grow. Right. If you come here and you won't grow, then go. Yeah, yeah. Grow or go. You can stay if you want, but you're, you're going to be offended with me. You won't receive from me. If you, that's what I said a couple of weeks ago, Jenny. If the, Hebrews 13, 17. I, do, let me give the account. Let me watch over your soul with joy, not with grief. For if I do it with grief, it's unprofitable for you. I, am, I grieve over the people that are easily offended. Why am I grieving? Because I know they won't receive. I know they're not profiting. I'm giving them truth. But if they'll take that truth and apply it and keep a pure heart and grow with me, grow with the Holy Ghost at their own pace, at their own level, 
grow, then all of a sudden they'll start to increase and profit in every area, not just financially. But when I see people are offended and they're small-minded small and hard-hearted, I know they're not going to profit. And it makes me sad for them. I'm not mad at them. When I say grow or go, I don't want them to go. What I'm saying is that if you don't want to grow, why be here? We're not putting sticks in the dirt that stay there for 10 years the same. We're putting seeds in the dirt that after a few months, you should see a little sprout. And after another few months, you should see a little stalk. And after a few years, it should be a plant. Some of you are like sticks. You, put, you come here and 10 years later, you're the same stick. Nothing's changed. While you talk and whisper amongst yourselves and try to spread dissension, I'd rather you go. Because what I want is quarter heart people, even if they don't come with the quarter dirt, even if they come with the other three kinds, let them grow into the fourth kind of soil. Just have the heart to grow. Humble yourself and stop being so proud and just say, I want to grow with God. I want to grow with the flow of the pastor. I want to grow. Praise God. If you'll have that kind of a heart that you want to grow, God will work with you. I will work with you. Well, there's much grace and patience for those that want to grow, but you've got to want to grow. That's a word for somebody. I know people don't like it when I get all aggressive and, and, and that kind of stuff, but I'm sorry. I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but I'm not going to apologize because I'm, God's, God's, God loves me. He's helping me. I came from nothing. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to have no food and need benevolent. I know. My mother knows. She knows how hard it is. Yet she taught me to stay faithful. You don't quit on God. You, you, you grew up with, with less in Newfoundland. You didn't have an abundant with your family. Your, your mother taught you. You had enough. Same with us. We always had enough, but never the extra. But your mother taught you, don't you quit on God. Didn't even have all the doctrine. Didn't understand faith the way we do today, but don't you quit on God. God is faithful. Even if it sounds religious at first, just they believed God was faithful. And God is faithful. But now, now faith is starting to teach us, the leading of the Spirit is starting to show us how we can walk in the good, the good life. Remember Ephesians 2.10 says, I want you to have a good life. Not a broke down, you know, pathetic life. He wants us to have a good life. So it's possible, but you've got to have a pure heart and you've got to be willing to grow. Amen. You can't be jealous of people that you see growing faster than you. That's true. Do you understand? I don't know, Jenny, if they, if they, I just, my sermon's out the window. What's the point? Praise God. Well, it's 12 o'clock. I'm going to stop at two o'clock. So you just better settle in. Okay. One way or another, this sermon is getting out. No, I'm kidding. I'll take 10, 15 more minutes. Be quiet, Taylor. I don't need your commentary. Okay. So, uh, any, <laughs> so, uh, back on track, uh, Praise God. Uh, we see here the actions of the authority. And he said unto them, go and preach, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them. This is the actions of the authority. Of them that believe in my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up. See, I was doing that at customs. I would speak with new tongues. And it was actually a witness to people. Oh, yeah. Did you notice that tongues is listed here as part of the preaching the gospel? Sure is. So yes, tongues, remember what Paul said in the book of 1 Corinthians 14? He said, don't do the whole service in tongues because, you know, they'll think you're crazy. But he said, it's a sign for unbelievers. Yeah. 
It's in 1 Corinthians 14. So God is not trying to shy away tongues from the unbelievers because it's a sign of the supernatural. It's what got Dr. Saved, remember? And do yeah, Dr. Dufresne got saved because that person spoke in tongues and interpretation of tongues and he said, I knew God was in the room That's because right. of that gift, those two gifts of the Spirit in operation. So tongues is part of preaching the gospel. It's part of the Great Commission. It's to be done with sinners as the Spirit leads in an appropriate fashion. Don't be weird with it, but it's part of it, okay? And they shall speak, cast out devils, speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. That doesn't mean you do what the Kentucky people do and, and just try to now, you know, give mine to Geraldine, member Dr. <laughs> Reverend Greer. No, in other words, if you handle anything dangerous or if you ingest anything dangerous or anything dangerous deadly goes into you, including the COVID vaccine, it shall not hurt you. It's part of the signs if you believe. And you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So the Lord, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat, sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth, preached, see there's the preaching and teaching, went forth, preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. So they did the teaching and preaching according to Matthew 28 and baptized, but then, then the Lord confirmed what they preached and taught with these supernatural workings of miracles and these signs. He confirmed it with the signs. So he, see, he gives us, he gave them temporary authority in Luke 10 and Matthew 10, and then he gave permanent authority in Matthew 28 and Mark 16. Praise God. Now, and I'll pick it up on Wednesday where I left off, and I hope you're watching all the services because uh, today the Lord took it a bit of a different direction. But I, I am wanting to get the series out about the body of Christ, and I can't repeat everything every service. Um, I had a lot new stuff to share today, but because of the bunny trail, I probably won't get to it. But let me, let me at least say this. When we talk about, and then I'll close, I'll just say this little point because this is not, I didn't share this on Wednesday, so I need to give you something new. Uh, when we talk about authority, when we talk about who we are in Christ and this authority that he's given us, I give all authority to you. This is a past tense authority. This is not something that he is going to give us. This is something that we already have. So have a look quickly at the book of Ephesians chapter 1. I won't be much, I won't, I'll be less than 10 more minutes, so please be patient. Ephesians chapter 1. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I so badly want you to be blessed. I so badly want you to be prosperous. Don't be offended because God's helping me. Rejoice. And say, Father, help me too. Amen. Anyway, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, past tense, blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. What is the tense here? He has blessed us. What is part of the spiritual blessings is spiritual authority. You're not going to get authority. You have authority today. If you are the body of Christ, you already have it. You may not feel it. You may not even know about it fully, but you have the authority. All power is given unto me, all authority. Go ye therefore. I give it to you. Jesus has blessed us when he rose and ratified the new covenant, he has, past tense, given us the spiritual blessings and including spiritual authority over demons. It's not something you have to attain or get to. If you're born again, you've got it. Praise God. Now, Ephesians chapter 2, if you would please, and if you look, verse 5, and when we were dead in sins, hath, past tense, did you see that? Quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved and has, past tense, 
raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Did you notice that he already raised you positionally before you were even saved because he knew you were going to get saved? And when you got saved, you took your, bro, you took your place seated, seated with him? But did you notice that at the moment you get saved, it's past tense? He has already done it. He has seated you. What does seated you mean? He sat, him, he sat down in his authority. He sat down in his, he, he is the boss. That, that's what it represents. He said, now you are seated with me. You are in me. I am the head and you are the body and you're with me and I'm with you and you're in me and I'm in you because we're born again. So the head is Jesus and the body is us. Many members, 1 Corinthians 12 in particular, some of us are the toe and some of us are the thumb and some of us are the belly button and some of you are, 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 the, are the nose and some of you are the beautiful eyelash, but we're all part of the body of Christ and we're seated. You can't, have you ever seen a head sit on a chair by itself? That would be a little disconcerting if you see a decapitated head sit there. No, the head is attached to the body. So how could... That's why he uses natural illustrations because it takes common sense to understand sometimes the Bible as well as spiritual revelation. He's the head, we're the body. If the head is seated in heaven, where's the body? The body has to be with him or he's decapitated. That's why he says, you as the body are with me and you've, I've done it, it's done. You don't have to try to ask me for authority. I've given it to you. Some people, I hear them pray, oh Lord, give me authority. That is an unscriptural prayer. People in our church, Jennifer. Oh, Lord, grant me the authority. You don't have to ask God to grant you the authority. And then, then they'll add the King James language to make it sound more spiritual. Oh, thou Lordest, please give it thy servant, thou authority. No, you, <laughs> that doesn't make you more spiritual because you talk King James. You don't need to ask God to give you authority. You don't need to ask God to take care of the devil. You don't need to ask God to take care of the sickness. He says, I've given you the authority. I have seated you in heavenly places. I have quickened you. I have given you spiritual blessings. It's done. Now, I need you to use what I've given you and command. And if you follow the example of my son Jesus, who said in Mark eleven twenty two, have God kind of faith. What is the God kind of faith? If you'll say to the mountain, believe, be moved and cast the And don't doubt in your heart, but believe what you say will come to pass. You'll have what you say. Believe it will obey you. If you say to the sycamine tree, be uprooted and planted over yonder, and you don't doubt, it will be according to your word. Amen. What does the Old Testament say? I have decreed a thing, and it shall be established according to my word. Even in the Old Covenant, they were getting a hint of this. What did God say to Moses? Speak to the rock, don't hit it. He was trying to get them to understand, in the promised land, it's going to be about words more than about natural effort, although there's natural effort required. And see, we're going in the promised land. The wilderness represents before we were saved. The promised land represents after we're saved. And God's trying to get us in the promised land to understand the power of our words. Speak to the rock. Do say what you, say what you will, and it will be established according to your word. So this, we don't have to ask God, give me authority. You've got the authority. You need to use the authority. Praise God. So we see very clearly he's already given it to him. Why do you think the devil works so hard to obscure revelation about the, about the believer's authority? He works overtime. He's hired overtime our worker demons. Yes. Overtime, triple time wage to work to obscure the revelation of the authority of the believer. Why? Because he knows if you really catch this, you'll defeat him. Yes. He preys on your ignorance. He loves your offense. He loves your, your whining. He loves it. The more you whine, the happier he is. Because your words aren't life, they're death. 
and he now can just play his games with you. He hates you knowing that it was already done and that you've got it and all you have to do is speak it by faith and believe it. He knows if you do that, you'll defeat him, so he will obscure this revelation and fight tooth, nail, and claw to do so. But that's why you come to a church where we'll say it to you straight. Sometimes I get out of this anointing, Jenny, and I cringe. And I say, oh, my God, what did I do? I've ruined it. Oh, Jesus, people are going to hate me and leave the church. But under the anointing, I feel bold as a lion. I could give a, I could care less. But I, that anointing does lift off me. <laughs> that, not the pastoral anointing, the preaching anointing. And sometimes I go there and the devil just pounds my head. Oh, you stepped in it now. You've done it now. And so thank God for, for, for Grandpa Wigglesworth because he taught us. Yes, yes, yes. Grandpa Wigglesworth, the devil would just pound him, pound the living daylights out of him after he'd preached. And you know what he learned to say? And I say the same thing almost after every sermon. I leave the sermon in the pulpit. Yeah, that's right. If God could give it to me, God can certainly take care after I preached it. Amen. That's right. So on days like today when the fire of God comes, I, I just have to trust the Holy Ghost that he'll, the people will receive it in the spirit with which it was meant. And if they can't, then they need to go find another pastor. Because I'm not playing games here. I'm not going to be a hypocrite pastor. If it works, I'm going to tell you it works. Amen. And if it don't work, I'm going to tell you it don't work. Right. But if it works, and it works, because I've proved it, I want you to enjoy it with me. So open up your heart so that you can grow. Jesus has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. He has seated us in heavenly places. He has quickened us while we were yet sinners. He has done it. In other words, he allowed the quickening life to come when he died and rose again, even though he knew thousands of years would pass before it came into my heart and your heart. But it was done. He was just waiting for me to say yes. He has done this. He's given you authority. Don't ask him to grant it to you. He's done it. Praise God. Amen. One, one more verse and then I'll close. It's in the book of 1 John chapter 4. You all know it. It's one that we usually memorize. 1 John chapter 4, it's 12, 11. I said I'd be done by 12, 15 and I will. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. And it says, Ye are of God, little children, and what? Will overcome. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have overcome. But I'm going through it. I know. But Jesus already took, he already wrought the victory for you. All you have to do is start to say, just agree with what he did. But I don't feel anything. I know. I don't feel anything either. But I feel pressure on my mind. I know. I know exactly what it feels like. But I, I don't even really believe what I'm saying. That's okay. Just say it. But how, why would I say it if I don't believe it? Just trust me and say it. He'll get there. The power of God will do a work in you as you speak. Are you listening to me? The power of God will do a work in you as you speak. So a lot of people feel like, well, you say connect your heart to your mouth and you've got to believe in your heart and say, but I don't believe in my heart, so therefore I won't say. No, no, no. Just start saying. Eventually, your heart will connect with your mouth. It's best that you 
believe and say at the same time. But if you don't believe, then at least start saying. If you know what to say, then start saying. Because eventually, you'll, you'll draw your heart up to where your mouth is. Praise God. They will connect with each other. As you're saying, you're releasing life. Whether you realize it or not, there's life and your words are death. As you're releasing life, it lets the power of the Holy Ghost have access into your heart for you to start getting revelation, for you to start receiving rhema, for you to start receiving faith. And then eventually you'll start believing what you say. Yes. But a lot of people, they won't say because they don't believe, but just start to say and they'll start to believe. Absolutely. Because you have overcome. I'll end with this story. Praise God. I just wanted to emphasize the point to you that, uh, that you have overcome. You have been seated. You do have spiritual blessings. He has granted you, 40 days after he rose, all authority. And that was for the whole church, not just for that group that were watching him physically on that day. It has, it's been done. The authority is yours. What you need to do is start using it by speaking. I got lots more in this, we are the body of Christ to share with you. But the Holy Ghost did what he did today. I tried my best to yield to him in the right way. And... I'm trying to emphasize to you, Jesus has given you authority. He did it 40 days after he rose. It says it in the epistles. Oh, I've just given you three, but there's dozens of verses that say that he's given you that authority. What you need to do is stop thinking about when one day I'm going to get it. And you need to start realizing whether I feel it or not, I have it because I'm a born-again believer, and now if I start to say it, things will obey me. Keith Moore once years ago had a man come to him in his church. Yeah. Pastor, I'm struggling. I smoke. I'm a chain smoker. I do two packs, sometimes more per day. There's no, I've tried everything, every patch, every this, every that, everything. Nothing, nothing works. I'm, I'm hopelessly addicted. I don't know what to do. And, and Brother Keith said to him, Pastor Keith said to him, he said, Brother, I just want you to start to say, thank God I'm free from smoking. But I'm not free. He said, I know you're not. But the Bible says in Romans 4 that we need to call those things that be not yet, that haven't happened yet, as though they already have happened. So he said, I know that you're not free, but I want you to start saying that you are free. And he said, but that doesn't make sense. He said, I just want you to say it. He said, do you trust me as your pastor? Yes. Well, you do what I ask you to do without, without question, without compromise. Yes. Well, then would you just start to say, say it right now for me so I can hear you. Thank God I'm free from smoking. He said, but I don't believe what I'm saying. He said, don't worry about believing it. Just start to say it. He said, but then what does that mean? I can't smoke. He says, oh no, go ahead and smoke. Smoke as much as you want. Smoke more if you'd like. It don't matter how much you smoke. He said, do three packs a day if you'd like. Just smoke as much as you want. And he said, but I want you to promise me that, that whenever you think about it in the day, you'll say, thank God I'm free from smoking. And when you pull out that cigarette out of its hiding place and you fire that baby up and it's, got, it's in your fingers and you take that long first drag, as you blow the smoke out, after you've blown it out, I want you to say, thank God I'm free from smoking. Then he said, before you put it to your lips, I want you to say, thank God I'm free from smoking. And, and he said, but I won't believe what I'm saying because I don't believe I'm free. He said, it's okay, my brother, just obey your pastor and say it. So that man did it, Quinny, for about two, three, two or three weeks, right, honey? I mean, he's smoking dozens of cigarettes a day, but he obeyed the pastor. And every time he pulled that cigarette, he said, thank God I'm free. Oh, that feels so good. Thank God I'm free from smoking. Thank God I'm free from smoking. And he did that for two weeks. And then one day he's out on his smoke break. And he puts the cigarette to his mouth and does his customary confession. Thank God I'm free from smoking. And he puts it and he takes a puff. And from one second to the next second, God changed his taste buds. When he took that puff of cigarette, he almost vomited. He said it was the most foul, disgusting taste that he's ever had in his life. He spewed that smoke out, threw the cigarette down, threw the pack in the garbage and never touched another cigarette as long as he lived. 
God instantly set him free and changed his taste buds. So if there was a demon of addiction, if there was, uh, that demon left without anybody casting it out. And just his physical things that had grown to like that instantly changed. That's a miracle. That's an instantaneous act of God. And he didn't believe not one time in any of the time he was confessing that he was free. He just did it to honor his pastor. So that shows me something, Taylor. People don't have to believe it fully. If they'll just obey the Bible and obey their pastor and just say it. As you're saying it, the power of God is working behind the scenes whether you fully believe it or not. Because there is power in your words. There is life in your words. Now, if you say it long enough, your heart will connect. If that man had kept saying it long enough, he would have started believing it. But look at the mercy of God. Just because he obeyed, just because he spoke life, just because he called things that be not as though they were, the power of God got to move in and a miracle happened for him. That shows me, don't, don't take it, don't take it what I, don't misquote what I'm saying. We do have to believe what we say. And if you'll say it long enough, you will believe. But what I'm saying is in his great abundant mercy, God will even at times, not as a general rule, but as an exception, at times he'll even do a miracle for you when you don't fully believe it, just because you obeyed with the words. I speak life. I obey Romans 4. I call those things that be not as though they are. Thank God I've got a job. Thank God my marriage is improving. Thank God we have all the money we need. Thank God my investment portfolio grows and doesn't diminish. Thank God I walk in love. Thank God my headaches have gone. Thank God I can walk without pain. Thank God my high blood pressure is normal. Thank you, Lord, I'm not easily offended. Thank you, Lord, I'm led by the Spirit easily. There's a million things to say. Just start saying what you want to see instead of what you do see. And just simply out of obedience to the covenant word of God, he will honor that faith and the power of God will smack you one day and fix things for you. It did for that man. He does not do it as a respecter of persons. If he did it for that man, Jenny, he has to do it for others. Now, that's the exception, not the rule, because your faith, your heart and your mouth have to agree in the vast majority of cases. But look at the mercy of God, even though he didn't really believe it, just by saying it, the power of God worked behind the scenes and set him free. Nobody cast the devil out of him. Nobody laid hands on him and prayed. It was just the power of his words changed things. So I've been preaching about using your authority, which means you believe and you speak. But I'm just kind of giving you a little bit of a side tributary here, a side stream out of the main river to let you know that at times, even if you don't fully believe, but you just do it just to do it because the Bible says to do it, if you just start to say, the power of God will work with you. He so desperately wants you to get the best. He'll even give it to you, even if you don't fully have all the ducks lined up in a row because he just wants to bless you so bad. Just start to say, praise God. That's kind of a dumbed down version for babies that really don't have faith. They don't want even to have faith, but we're just, we got to, everybody's at different levels. Some are babies and they don't have any faith and they don't even necessarily know if they want to have faith. But if they'll just start saying, God will help them. And the rest of us are developed and developing more and we do have faith and we want more faith. And so the main part of the river is to understand if you believe what you say and say it with your mouth, it'll come to pass. But what I'm saying is there's a little, there's a little baby stream on the side to even help people that say, well, I don't even really believe this if you'll just say it. I don't even believe I have authority. Just say it. You can speak, can't you? You speak all the negative. You complain all the time. Just guard that stuff coming out of your mouth. Just put a guard over your mouth. You'd be shocked at what comes out. You have to change the filter every 10 minutes. It'll be filthy. 
not cuss words, but just negative, 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 complaining, calling the situation as you see it, calling it as you see it. Well, I just call things the way I see it. Not God's way you don't. You don't call things the way you see it. You call things that you don't see as they are. You don't, don't just buy the lie of the world. That's the way the world thinks. I call it the way I see it. No, I call it the way God sees it. I call it the way the covenant sees it. I don't call it the way I see it. The way I see it, it has to, it's not, I don't like the way I see it. I want it to change. So I'm going to get my words to change it. And of course, believing and speaking works much faster. But even if you're a baby and you just need to get into the little wading pool before you jump in the ocean with me, at least just start to say it without believing that the power of God will work with you because he's so merciful. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I feel like I'm done. Praise God. I'm well done. Not medium well, Jenny. Well done. Praise God. I gave, them, I gave them a well done sermon today. I fried out all the devils and all the religious spirits and all the bacteria is dead. Praise God. We cooked it good today. Father, I bless them. I thank you for them. Let them see my heart. Let them see that I understand a lot of what they're going through. The pain. Hating jobs. Not having enough not even having enough to eat at times. I don't, I don't come from a silver platter. Father, I, I saw it in my father's life, but I didn't see it in my mother's life because it just wasn't the way it was. But what I did see with my father's life was an ungodly attitude, but what I saw with my mother's life was a godly, faithful attitude. And I held the course with her, and now I'm starting to see that this stuff actually works, yes. that healing works, that prosperity works, that the, the power of God's real. I'm proving it in my own life, not just somebody else's stories. I've got a few of my own. And I'm not apologizing because you blessed me. And I'm not saying it to hurt people or to put anybody down. I'm saying it to lift them up so that they can come up higher in God, so that they can grow as a mighty plant planted in the house of God. That's the motive. That's the heart that I have. Now, Lord, you said now twice today through my wife, you spoke it through her. Jenny, you started talking about we're not trying to be snooty or snotty or, or better than anybody when we talk about God's blessing us. Now, I, I said, praise God. She said it, but Lord, there was not one, not one inkling that you'd have me repeat that. That wasn't anything to do with my sermon. But I heard you say, deal with that. So Holy Ghost, I, I took a pause on the sermon for a few minutes to deal with that. Because if that's, that's kryptonite, that'll kill their spiritual life. It's a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's a wolf that is deadly, but looks real religious sounding, real religious looking, real cute looking, yeah. but it'll kill them. Yeah. That attitude of, well, you know, I just wish that they were struggling like me, then they'd understand me. No, 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 that's not the spirit of faith. No. We're not trying to hurt you. We're trying to get you to rise up in Christ. We're trying to get you to soar. We're trying to get you to come up higher. We're trying to get you to grow. Grow with us. This works. Amen. Praise God. I know that 99.8% of you are saying, Amen, Pastor. You go ahead and preach it. It's only the point two that are offended. But I pray that the point two will not just jump ship unless they, unless they don't want to grow. But if they, if they have a heart to grow, just stay put. Sometimes the message stings a little bit. You know why? Because the Bible tells me as a pastor that you are to rebuke, rebuke, 
correct and reprove and exhort. Three out of four, 75% is corrective in nature and 25% is encouragement in nature. And some sermons, it's the reverse, that all of it's encouragement and other sermons, it's 75, 25. And other sermons, it's 90, 10, where there's a correction because God loves those he chastens. He loves you enough to correct you. You're not listening to the Holy Ghost because if you were, he wouldn't need me to say it. But because you won't listen to him on the inside of you as he's been convicting you and, you, and, and he's trying, trying to check you and trying to give you a grieving, but you won't pick it up. So he's using me as your pastor with flesh and blood and skin on with eyes that you can see and a voice that you can hear in this natural realm. He's using me to tell you to warn you because you won't obviously listen to him privately. And he's trying to rescue you. He's trying to save your life. I've thrown a life raft out to you. Don't be upset that when the life raft hits the water, it splashed some water in your face. If I was a drowning man, I wouldn't care that I got splashed by the life raft. I would be grateful it was there so I could grab onto it and live. Don't be so concerned about how it comes out, my personality, my flow, the anointings on my life in a unique way. Don't, because it's a bit rough and a bit gruff and a bit harsh, it might have splashed some water in your face. Who cares? Grab the life raft and live. Don't drown because you were splashed in the face. Grab it and live. Come up higher with me, brother and sister. Come up higher with your words. Come up higher with your believing. Come up higher with your heart soil. Come up higher and expect more from God and attempt more from God and believe more from God and do more for God and believe that this stuff works because it does. In Jesus' name it does. So Father, I bless them and I thank you for them. In Jesus' name, I give you praise. And everybody said, amen.